Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 9 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and in this episode I'm talking about production with Christine Langley, production assistant for Thames and Hudson. We have talked about producing beautiful illustrated books, recent trends, and her passion for paper opacity. She also gave us insights about being a young publisher. Happy listening, and for any comments or feedback, you can write me an email or find me on Twitter at flamflam91, flam91. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Inside, please subscribe and leave a review. to a new episode of Publishing Inside. Today I am interviewing Christine Langley, who is a production assistant at um, Thames & Hudson. Thank you very much for joining me in this episode of Publishing Inside, Christy. Thank you for having me. So my first question is, what has been your academic and career path so far? Um, I dropped out of school when I was 16. And I self-tutored and took all my exams so that I could go to university. So I started at university when I was 22, where I did a literature course in Norway before I moved to England and did English and drama at Oxford Brooks. Uh, And then I did an MA in publishing at Oxford Brooks. And during that time, I got an internship at OUP, which I only got because I didn't get another one. So I literally... I failed, and Mm -hmm. then they gave me a new chance. Uh, It was really good for me. And based on that job, they gave me a summer job, two two to three days a week while I was writing my thesis. And then I applied for a lot of jobs uh, around July, August. I had a lot of interviews, didn't get any jobs. And finally, in October, a few days weeks after I handed in my thesis I got the job at Thames and Hudson. Great and what are your main tasks and responsibilities as a production assistant and what does a typical day look like? I am really lucky because I work both as the assistant but I've also been given uh, production controlling jobs so it's not quite the standard as a lot of production assistants. The first few months, I did a lot of admin. I did all the tasks that was too time-consuming for the controllers. So um, I did and still do the posts, a lot of stamping, a lot of circulating, um, and a lot of tidying up and just making sure that everything is where it's supposed to be, both on the server but also in the office. Um, But with time, I was also given books, so my own books to work with. Uh, So now I do quite a lot of work with the designers and editorial to get the files, I colour correct, I proof, I talk a lot to printers, I estimate and I budget and I ask for quotes and I do everything that is within the production controller job as well as doing the production assistant work. 
So I have one foot in each camp, so to say. Yeah. It must be quite demanding, though. <laughs> it's very demanding and very stressful, but very fun, because mm -hmm. they've given me quite a lot of trusts in the tasks they've given to me, which is both... It's good for me and my learning but it also makes me feel that I'm valued Definitely. at the workplace which is incredibly important especially as a new starter because we all have this idea of the, the assistant especially when you are an assistant that you're at the bottom of everything yeah. and no one really cares about you and that is it's not true especially mm -hmm. not in my case yeah. they show me that they value me every day and they give me bigger and bigger tasks and when they realize that I can handle something they all gang up, so to say, by giving me more of that mm -hmm. to make sure that I am not bored. And that's also the first things my boss said to me when he gave me a job is that we don't want you to be bored at work. We mm -hmm. want you to be here to learn and actually work and not sit by the computer and stare at a screen for an hour mm -hmm. without having anything to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm really lucky that they've given me that trust. And it also shows me that it's, it's a good place to be and a good place to work. Yeah. Because I... I do get bored quite easily if I mm -hmm. don't do anything. Um, and just by them letting me, giving me their own colour proofs, telling me, here, try to colour correct this for me. Just give it a shot. doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Just do what you think is right. And then letting me do that and come in with the meeting with the author who's responsible for it and then backing me up if something is either right or if it's wrong, they then will explain both to me and the author why this was made, why it was wrong, but also it's not, it's not a big deal if it's a bit wrong because it can always be rechecked again. And I never do anything unsupervised. I, well, I do a bit more now, but when I started, everything went through either my boss, the deputy, or anyone else in the office because they're all really willing to help. So I didn't feel alone with any of the tasks. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, what you said is really important. Yeah, and the good thing is, no day is the same. Of course, they are similar, but they're not the same. I can have one day where I only do assistant work, and I walk around and I do all the tasks that are time-consuming, and the next day I do all invoices, um, which for me still takes an entire day. Um, and then the next day I might do estimating, I might be talking to the printers and organising when they're shipping things to us. Um, and then one day I do colour correcting. It's, it's not a set thing about what you do. You don't do the same things day after day after day, which also gives you a bit more headspace. Because it means that, one, you don't get bored, um, but two, you, don't, you still have the time to learn something. Because if you still like did one week of invoicing and then didn't do that for four weeks, you would forget it again. Definitely. So I try to sort of sort it out. So I do a bit of everything all the time. And I keep track of what I'm doing and when, just so that I can show them that this worked for me, this did not work for me. I'm going to jump it up a bit now. This is a good tip, yeah. Yeah. And what do you love the most about your job and what makes you so passionate about production? I really like the fact that no day is alike and that I get to do and be involved with everything. Because in production, you are with the book project basically from the beginning until it's delivered in the warehouse. We are managing the entire process. We make the schedules, we make the estimates, um, which is where the designers 
have to talk to us regarding what they can do with the book, what they can do, especially with the cover. Uh, we are the ones who have to remind everyone to get in all the files on time. So you walk around and you talk to them all the time. Um, we are involved with the spec because, again, that will affect the price and the design and all the layout, everything. And then when it's done in-house and we've sent all the files to printer, we are also the ones who receive the plotter proofs, the F and Gs, and the handbounds uh, for checking because we are an illustrated publisher, which means that we go through so many processes before we see the finished book. So you have the plotters, which is literally a print out of the book where you check if everything is on the right page. You have the FNGs, which are the folded and gathered sheets, where you check the colours and make sure that everything you did in the repro process and the retouching has been done and that the printer has all the colours correct. You have the handbounds, which is when they make usually two books by hand, send them to us for our approval to see that, again, everything is in the right place, all the colours are good, the binding is good, and then you get the advances, which we also check before they ship the books. And because we work quite a lot with um, printers in Asia, all of this takes quite a long time. So this entire process is super long. But you then also have to make sure that the designers, the editors, and everyone is on board with the product. So it goes through the entire department before yeah. it's approved. Yeah, I guess it's really important to be super organized and have everything under control. Oh yeah, and keep a level head. Because some things do go wrong. They, they go wrong quite a lot, but there's always a way to fix it. And in as the production controller for a book, it's your job to make sure that it goes fine and that it doesn't break a publishing date, which sometimes might happen if something happens with the printer. Sometimes accidents happen in terms of the pages are in the wrong place, for example, or the bound with different sections muddled up because everyone's human, mistakes happen. And that will take a bit longer and sometimes we're working towards a quite a tight shipping schedule, um, which might be messed up a bit. And then sometimes we have to push the date back, but what we do is trying to manage the entire process so the books are shipped on time so they can be published on time. It's really important to be super organised and keep a level head in case something happens. And at the end of the day, remember if something happens, don't carry that with you for a mm -hmm. long, long time. And it's not it's usually not your fault. Even if it is your fault, don't dwell on it. Yeah. Just learn from it. <laughs> True. <laughs> And as you said, Thames Edatson produces beautiful illustrated books. What are the challenges and the most important things to take into consideration when working on the production of these kind of titles? Money, definitely, um, because everyone wants the books to be as beautiful as possible, which means the designer, for example, or the editor or the author wants as many finishes on the cover as possible. But we have money restraints on all of these things. Um, and if the designer wants something that is not achievable um, money-wise, as a controller you have to come up with an alternative that will make sense and that the everyone else is happy with. Um, uh, and schedules, as I mentioned, um, making sure everyone keeps to the schedule. Because if you get the files late, um, everything gets delayed and that puts puts pressure on us when we are finishing up all the files before they go to printer because we have a very short turnaround time sometimes 
in terms of doing all the retouching of the images, to making sure that they do represent what the author wants them to represent. Um, and if files are late, that means that we get less time doing that, which also might mean that we don't do as good as a job as we would like to. Um, but also, it's a challenge dealing with all these different types of people. You have to you have to be able to communicate and talk and understand so many different people, not just in-house, but also with the printer. Um, we all have to be on the same page, so to speak. And so, yeah, the scheduling is probably the hardest thing to do because, again, things happen. Maybe the author decided that he wanted to add a chapter, which is then delayed and everything has to sort of be held back a bit. Um, something might go wrong uh, in the early process or the late process. It's all these little things that you then have to be able to figure out what to do. Um, so yeah, time and money as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite project you have worked on at Thames and Hudson? My first independent projects are um, a lot of uh, B-format paperbacks that Thames and Hudson are now publishing. The first was published this week um, and I was given the responsibility for, of controlling them. And this was a new venture for almost everyone in the office. We don't make a lot of paperbacks, we make beautifully illustrated hardcovers usually. Um, so when I got that, no one really knew what we were doing that much. And those who did, it's so long since they've done it that so many of the processes have changed. Um, and all those books have plate sections and they have really beautiful covers or fun covers. So making sure that the design understood the brief, not going over budget again, but also making sure that nothing, they, making sure that they didn't want to do something that couldn't be done. It's this so small things that we don't think about. For example, um, embossing. Um, we, like, embossing is when you raise something on the cover. That is super common with paperbacks, and ev all the designers are very fond of it because it gives a very... 3D effect. Yeah, it gives a 3D effect, and it's not that expensive to do. But you can't do it on the spine because that hinders the glue, which is something I didn't know because I've never done it before, and designers either didn't know or they forgot or so then we had to do a lot of last minute changes to some mm -hmm. of them which I thought was quite fun um, because again it gave us a challenge on how to still make the cover really good but using less effects um, and all the V formats turned out really good and I'm really happy that I got to try to work on them. I got to visit the printer to see how they're all bound and how they make the covers and make how, why they can't do especially what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and also because it was my first solo project and I had so many restraint, restraints in terms of money and time that it really put pressure on everyone, not just me, but everyone. So I think that was the most fun thing I've worked yeah. with. But in terms of beautiful books, that I've made that I'm really happy with is um, The Prison Gentleman, which is a book that is coming out now in a compact edition. It already exists in quite a large format. And I got to make a quarter-bound book um, with real cloth, which is quite, it's quite fun being able to sort of like, I'm using real cloth, not paper cloth, which is 
what we usually yeah. make, like imitation cloths, because it's much cheaper. So I got to, I got to use quite expensive material and create a really, really nice book that both looks and feels and is quite luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't wait to look for it and like check it out <laughs> and see uh, what you worked on. And what is the title of the paperback that has just been released that you were mentioning that earlier? Was, that's The Unfinished Palazzo uh, by Ju- Judith Mackerel. Okay. Um, it's, it's really nice. I do like it. And it's one of those trade books, non-fiction trade books that I know that I could easily see myself buying, which is yeah. also what I want from everything I make. I want to make sure I would like to buy it, even if I'm not necessarily the target audience. Definitely, yeah. I will list uh, all the titles of the books in the episode notes so our listeners can go and look for them. And what advice would you give to someone who aspires to work in production and which are the most important skills they need to develop and highlight in their cover letter? Advice, um, make sure that you are organized and that you are a calm, level-headed person and that you're not afraid of taking charge. It's probably the three things that I found most valuable. When I started, I was a bit scared of the whole taking charge thing because I'm new, I don't know everyone that well yet. Um, But if I don't do it, then it's easy to sort of ignore what I say and just like, oh, well, we'll do it later for her. It's, it's fine. She wasn't that strict about the deadlines. And, but also while doing that, you have to be friendly because you work with them and usually you like them quite well. I like everyone in our office is so sweet and nice um, to, to make sure you don't antagonize them. <laughs> especially coming from a different culture, because I'm from Norway. I'm used to being very direct mm-hmm. and saying exactly what I mean. Um, But when I'm here, that will sometimes come across as a bit mean, without me intending to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've tried to sort of adjust that a bit. Um, But if you want to work in production, especially illustrated, having a good eye for colour is very important because we do colour correct a lot. And this is something they will probably test you on in interviews. Uh, They did that with me. And even I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just went from instinct what I saw. And that was enough because they will teach you everything. They won't just send you off with nothing. Um, and also in production, for me, it's much more beneficial being with an illustrated publisher um, because it's so much more to it than if it's just a normal non-illustrated book because I get to do a bit more varied things. So everything illustrated, if it's children or nonfiction or anything, it's, it's, it's a bit more dynamic, I think. But also, if you like production and you show that in an interview, they'll know. Yeah. I talked for like 10 minutes about paper opacity in my interview, I think, because <laughs> I love paper opacity which is a strange thing to like, but it was what first drew me into production. Yeah. And I think I'm the only one in the office that talk about paper which love in my, with like love in my voice. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are like, it's paper, we understand the qualities, <laughs> it's good. But I sit there going like, but it's paper, guys. Yeah, I guess if you can show that you're really passionate in the mm-hmm. interviews, they will, they will know it, they will see it. Yeah, and it's important that you click with those who interview you because you're going to work quite closely with them and I felt I really clicked with 
because the ones who interviewed me was the head of the department and the deputy head of the department. And they they were just they were absolutely fantastic in the interview because we did quite a lot of small talk, which wasn't awkward. They told me quite a lot of what it entailed being there, but they gave me a good feeling about being there and having the, that good feeling towards them and hopefully them towards me also helps when they are teaching you things because you get a better connection and it's easier to understand what they're saying if you know that this is someone you like and respect. Definitely. And in terms of skills, I guess also communication skills are important from what you said earlier, of like working with uh, all the different departments, but also printers outside of the company. It is important and it's important to be confident in it, but I, I wasn't very confident in my communication skills when I started. It's something that I've worked up to and built up. Yeah. The first few weeks I was terrified of like answering the phone and then I realized, well, I kind of have to. Yeah. <laughs> and writing emails, because it's all, we have a, like a specific tone, especially at the beginning, and because we, we keep things professional. But it's easier as you get to know people a bit and feel more comfortable in what you're doing. Because again, in the first few months and still now sometimes I felt that, that I was still a student and that mm -hmm. I still was like acting like having a job almost <laughs> yeah the, like but still when they call me colleague I get a bit like I'm a colleague yeah <laughs> that's quite nice but the moment you sort of get into that it's also easier to communicate and talk to people it, it might take some time but you'll usually get there and it's just being considerate to, towards people and remembering that everyone as their own personality, their own way of working, and just understanding that is really important. Yeah, definitely. And have you noticed any particular trends in book production lately? Holographic foil. Everyone loves holographic <laughs> foil, um, which I understand because it's beautiful, and I love holographic foil. Um, orange, we use a lot of orange these days, and people are a bit more adventurous with what type of paper they use, especially on covers. It's because you have like a lot of graining, a lot of laid paper, a lot of books being printed on uncoated. Um, but I think, especially with what we do, it's fairly standard what we use. We use foil, we emboss or deboss, spot UV. That's quite standard. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of holographic foil walking around. Yesterday I saw um, Glow in the Dark. Mm -hmm. um, foil which is being used for a children's title possibly um, but it's just really fun because we get all the samples so we get to look at all these things yeah. first before we show them to the designer Obviously, yeah yeah so yesterday was a cluster of us just standing around this glowing in the dark foil <laughs> wow it's like looking trying to see is it glowing is it glowing it glowed great <laughs> <laughs> and last question what are you currently reading um, in your spare time and what has been your favorite book of the year so far? I am one of those that read several books at once depending on my mood. Um, the last week I've been reading Lolita and when that felt too uncomfortable I've been switching to Grey Sister by Mark Lawrence. Um, I've just finished I'm with the band which is a group, groupy non-fiction from the 60s and 70s. Um, and the best book I read so far this year, slightly embarrassing because not, it's not a very good book, but Jane Slayer, <laughs> which is a vampire rewriting of oh, Jane Eyre. Cool. And I think it's not a specifically good book. I just really liked it because I love Jane Eyre. 
Mm -hmm. It's probably my favorite book. Um, and I love rewritings mm -hmm. of all books. It's also, I also read Lost Boy, which is really good, which is a different take on the Peter Pan story by oh, Christina yeah. Henry. Wow. And she has, she has uh, another book called Alice, which is a rewriting of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And they're all really good. But I think they fall under the horror genre, mm -hmm. which I didn't know when I started. I knew when <laughs> it ended. <laughs> But yeah, I think my Goodreads list at the moment is like 20 books long, <laughs> all of different genres and different, um, probably not all aimed at me, but you know. Yeah, but that's really interesting and I'm sure our listeners will find some something of their interest. Oh yeah, um, but also I, I, I realised last year that I'm reading too much of the same. I was sticking to like very, very basic sci-fi fantasy for quite some time. So I've been trying to branch out mm -hmm. and read a bit of the books um, and trying to read translated books. Yeah. Um, and I think the first one I read when I realized I have to broaden my horizons was um, Homegoing, mm -hmm. which was probably the best book I've, it's on my top 10 list of books I read. Mm -hmm. I cried so much. Yeah. But yeah, I've been challenging myself in what I read because I realised I am in this little bubble mm -hmm. and I should pr pr try, try to like broaden that as much as possible, especially when I am in the publishing industry because I want to be able to talk to people from all kinds of publishing houses and relate and actually have a discussion with them about what they do yeah. and what they, books they make. Definitely. And that's also really good advice for people who are applying for entry-level jobs. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, read up and make sure that you know what type of books. When you go to an interview, name drop some yeah. books. Always name drop books, they love that. Um, it, can all, like, it doesn't have to be an obscure book. It can be like the most selling books. Just show that you have some knowledge of the lists. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want the job, that shouldn't be too hard because hopefully they'll make books that you also would like to read or buy. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think once the, the interviews where I haven't done that and focused too much on all the other aspects is the ones that hadn't, haven't gone that well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's also important, I think, in the cover letter itself to show that you are commercially aware of the publisher and that you know what they are publishing in terms of different genre and so on. Oh yeah, definitely. And link it up to something either you're done or experienced. I did my thesis, I made a book, a non-fiction book, which I translated. And I mentioned that in my cover letter because it was directly relevant to Thames and Hudson. Um, so it's quite, I think it's important to sort of create that connection with them as early as in the yeah. cover letter, because that's, that's the first idea they get of who you are. That's me. Person and as a worker. And I think they also, it's easier for them to choose out those cover letters because they know that then you can relate to the job and you actually want it. Because mm -hmm. it's so easy to send out the same cover letters to everyone. And it's fine to send out a similar cover letter because if you find something that works and you think it's good and represent you well, that's good. But remember to change all the more, um, all the parts that relate to the publisher quite a lot so you make it targeted towards them. So that was my last question. 
Thanks a lot, Christy, for joining me in this episode and giving us your insight and your knowledge about production and also just your insight about being a young publisher. Thank you for having me. And I hope people discover production and realize that it is actually quite fun. Yeah, it's, it sounds super cool from what you are telling us. <laughs> it so is, I'm is. sure that our listeners will be really charmed and fascinated by your Uh, tales and about working in production. I hope so. Also remember this is my take on it and not the Definitely. general take on it. And it was a pleasure having you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. That is all for episode 9 of Publishing Inside. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it and found it useful. If so, please subscribe and recommend it to other people you think may be interested. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next episode.